Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you, Lord, that uh, even though we don't understand all that's happening, God, we do know that you love us. And thank you for that uh, this powerful, powerful word today that we can rest in your love even though we don't understand. But Lord, thank you that your love is, is sure, even though our situations are not. And so, Lord, we give you praise today. Help us to hear from you today. And uh, Lord, help us to be reassured of your incredible love. Amen. I think so much of what we've, what's happened in our world uh, has created uh, different types of disorders. Uh, I am more addicted to coffee than ever before. I don't know if that's a disorder or not, but uh, but I, I, I have struggled, maybe you have as well, uh, not wanting to leave my house. And I think uh, a lot of our, our church family has, has struggled with that as well. I don't know if you've been there, but just this kind of a fear of, of actually being in big groups and with people because of all that we've been through. House uh, has become a, a real nice place to be. Uh, kind of a safe place, and we it's become more and more comfortable. Uh, possibly you've been like many others who've uh, uh, enjoyed and adopted the lifestyle of staying in your pajamas all day, uh, putting on maybe a jacket or you know something nice on top if you're doing a Zoom conversation. But uh, a lot of lot of funny things have happened over these couple of years of, of people who've been caught you know dressed nicely here but dressed poorly down this way. But. Home has become a place of kind of security and safety for people, so much so that uh, they've had separation anxiety leaving home for the first time and getting out. Uh, separation anxiety is, is a real deal, by the way. I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, but uh, separation anxiety is one thing, but separation anxiety disorder, which isn't it great? It stands for SAD. Yeah, SAD. Yeah, separation anxiety disorder. SAD. It's very sad. We are, have trouble leaving home, and this is, a, this is an over-the-top sustained anxiety and worry that people have from leaving home or leaving their caregivers. Uh, and we see this often with children. We also see it with adults, uh, children who refuse to, to let go of their parents when their parents take them to school, you know, those, those kinds of things. And if this persists and it continues over a period of months, then this is, this is truly where the disorder uh, can be diagnosed. Separation anxiety disorder. Uh, and through these times, uh, many of us have begun to wonder if, if God himself would actually disconnect from us. We've been uh, concerned about that relationship with God and, and concerned about uh, wondering if God loves us through these days. One of the biggest questions that people have through, through suffering is, truly, does God love us? And um, very often we, we decide that we go through hard times that actually God doesn't. He actually has He's done with us. He's rejected us. We, he's through with us. And we suffer uh, for, for this anxiety in our walk with the Lord as well. It's not, a, it's not a good place to be. It's a very kind of a dangerous place to be, I would say, because the one thing that is sure, even though nothing else is sure, is that God loves us and that nothing can separate us from God's love. Paul, who wrote... Uh, the letter to the Romans says this, Romans 8, verse 35 through 39. I'm going to try to 
point out today just the many things Paul was unsure of, but, but also to show you what he was sure of. And this is this. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who, say it with me, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Paul was not sure of a lot. If you, I'll show you this morning, hopefully, some of those areas that he was considered a mystery or wasn't too sure about. But what he was convinced of was that Jesus loved him, that he was loved. I believe that God wants us to be sure of that. That is one thing we can be sure of. There's so much we can't be sure of, right? We don't know what tomorrow holds. We have no clue what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks or a year. We are unbelievably unable to predict the future. But one thing we can say about the future that God will still love me tomorrow. That's what we need to, to solidify our hearts and our minds into that reality. Where nothing else makes sense, God's love is sure. The reason why we have separation anxiety is because we, <laughs> we believe that possibly the good guys are powerless. We think that possibly God is not powerful enough to deal with the situation. That maybe God is unaware of what's going on and just is too weak to handle this. And so we, we get anxious because we're not sure God really is able. We believe God maybe is heartless, maybe... He doesn't love us whatsoever. We believe that possibly that justice is not really the rule. That possibly even though justice, God talks about justice, so we see justice in, in Scripture. But that possibly God's rules don't apply here on this planet. That although we agree with God's laws, that this world doesn't, and for some reason has the freedom to violate every single rule of God. So we're not really sure that God's big enough, loving enough, powerful enough, to make sure that his ways operate in this world. And so we have anxiety. We have fear. Instead of trusting him, instead of having confidence in his love and his faithfulness, we resort to our own fears. And we live in this troubling world of anxiety. Paul very clearly teaches in the letter to the Romans of how we should operate and function in the reality of a confusing world but also in light of the persistent, consistent, I can, I can hang my hat on this, I am sure of this, God loves us, and nothing can separate us from his love. Romans 7, verse 14. We begin to see where Paul is confused. Romans 7, 14 through 25. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, Paul says, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living within me. I know that nothing good lives in me. 
This is my sinful nature, for I, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not good, not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. After this whole list of things he wants to do but can't do, he says this, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Oh, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? It's very possible that in this passage where he says, who will rescue me from this body of death, there's a picture, an allusion to prisoners that were, uh, if you were guilty of murder in the Roman law, if you were in prison, very often they would attach the body that you had killed, the dead body, to you. Hand, hand, arm, arm, body to body, leg to leg. And, and have you live in your prison cell with this corpse uh, for weeks on end to remind you of what you had done. Uh, this could be what he's alluding to here. Who will deliver me from this body of death? If I think about, uh, so think about myself and the things that I have done and, and the things that I don't like that I do, um, I often feel like I am carrying around this dead body that, that doesn't do what I want it to. I don't know if you feel this way or not. You may be just like Paul where you are considering the reality that, gosh, there's so many great things that I want to do, so many aspirations of how I want to be, but this thing continues to weigh me down. And I continue to fall, continue to blow it. But Paul says, even though he doesn't understand his behavior, he is convinced of one thing, that God loves him. That's where he rests. You see, there are two laws at work when we become children of God. These two laws. The sinful nature is still there, right? We still have this drive to do bad things. But then there's God's law in our minds. Uh, we, we know what we should do, but we don't do it. This, this law that works within our bodies continues to push us into all kinds of nonsense. I, I don't agree with the, the comedian who said, well, the devil made me do it. But there is a sense to which this sinful nature that we have uh, continues to push us and to drive us. And, and we fall into temptation over and over and over again. This nature continues to push us and pull us down. We know what God's law is. These two laws, once we give, give our life to Christ, are still in operation. The sinful nature and God's law. That's weakened by our sinful nature. The fact is, is that we are limited but God is not. We are limited in, in, in how we can function. We're limited in so many different ways. We're limited in our human knowledge, right? We're limited in what we know. None of us sitting in this room today or watching online have complete, total knowledge. None of us do. Uh, Paul referred to this in 1 Corinthians 13. He says... Um, for now, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see him face to face. 
Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. The fact is, is that although love never ends, we see and live in a world where we don't fully understand the reality of this world. We don't understand the reality fully of God and the reality of our situation. So we are limited in our knowledge. The fact is, is that we will be limited in our knowledge until we see him face to face. But the one thing that we should never be limited in, in our knowing, is that God loves us. Paul says, I'm limited in what I know, but I know that God loves me. We see this throughout Paul's writings. It's interesting even about different things like marriage. Marriage, in the book of Ephesians, the letter, he writes that marriage itself, he explains it, that marriage is a marriage between a man and a woman, and how they mutually submit to each other, and how marriage is this picture of, of Jesus and his love for the church. Marriage is actually supposed to be this picture of the church. And after he tries to explain all of this at length in the letter to the Ephesians, he says this, but it's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery. Uh, some marriages are more mysterious than others. But it's a mystery. But Paul says, but I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is what I know, that God loves me. You know, um, speaking of marriage, there are times in your marriage, if you're married, that you don't understand what's going on. You have no clue what is making your spouse function the way they're functioning at that moment. Have you ever been there before? Or do you always predict what your spouse is going to do or say? In those confusing moments, and every marriage has confusing moments, frustrating moments, hurtful moments, you can be sure that God loves you. And you can rest in that. Paul, in Romans chapter 11, is talking about just the, the mystery of, of who actually comes to God and who does not. A, a big portion of the letter to the Romans is this conversation and discussion about who gets to be saved, who is not saved, uh, what, what, what people does God love, uh, who people or others are, are the objects of God's wrath. And he says, in, in light of that, you know, are we predestined, are we chosen, are we all these different conversations that are still, by the way, active conversations in our world now. He's saying, look, all I know, Romans 11, he talks about how the Gentiles actually were allowed to come and be forgiven by God because um, the, the, the Jews' hearts were hardened. He says this in Romans 11. Let me read this to you. I think it's so great. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Do you understand that? I can read it again, but it'll sound just as confusing, I think, to you. God has made you disobedient so that this person could have mercy and then he made this. It's, 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 it's really confusing. Bottom line is God's activity and purpose is what he's saying in here is that is for the purpose of his love. 
and salvation to all mankind. This is what Paul says in Romans 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has known his mind? Whoever has been his counselor, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Paul says, look, I don't understand God's equation of inviting all people to salvation. But what I do know is that he loves us and that he does invite all. I don't understand how he does it, but I know that he does it. It's basically what Paul is saying here. So many things that are mysterious. But what we can be sure of is that nothing can separate us from the love of God. God's love is sure. We are limited in our resolve, right? We're limited in how much we can do. We can be determined to be better people, right? Absolutely determined to be better people, but we are limited. We fell over and over and over again. Because as much as we want to do it, we trip. Over and over and over again. I have been trying to lose weight for years. Years. When we started the fast, I had this thought that back when I was in my 30s, I'm 58 now, when I was in my 30s, I thought, you know, I'm going to get back down to what I was in my 20s. I, I've never seen that weight uh, since, since age 25. Yeah. It, it's, I still have the weight. I just have more on top of that. <laughs> I'm hoping to uncover a little bit to get down to that again. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe this year. But I'm limited in my human resolve. I need God's help to lose weight if I'm ever going to do this successfully. I'm limited in my resolve. I'm determined. I'm going to do this this year. Yes, yes, yes. And then I mess up. How many times have I tried to start some exercise plan and then dropped it? How many times have you and I started to read the Bible and, said, and then stopped? We're limited in our resolve. We need God's help. Romans 8, 6 through 7 says, The mind of sinful man is what? The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. And then, what? Nor can it do so. We are limited in our drive and our resolve. We're also limited in our diagnosis, our understanding. We don't understand the problem, and we don't have the ability to prescribe a cure. We are just absolutely not able to fully understand it. That's what Romans 7, 15 says, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. Romans 7, 24, what a wretched man that I am. So many things we can't do. Matter of fact, I would, I would imagine that this month for you and for me, we don't even know how to pray. This is supposed to be our prayer and fasting month, and you... I face each day and think, what should I pray about? I don't know what to do. How do I fast? How do I speak to God? In all that confusion, one thing we can be sure of is that we will not be separated from God's love. Romans 8 details that, that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf. He prays for us. Matter of fact, the Spirit of God and Jesus himself are given credit for praying on our behalf. They intercede for us. In these confusing days where nothing makes sense, we don't even know how to pray. 
understand that the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, intercedes on our behalf. He loves us. He fills in where we cannot. He takes care of us. Romans 8 verse 1 goes on to say, Therefore, there is now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a mystery. What an amazing mystery. I said on this um, yesterday, just pondering this, asking God to really help me understand the, the, the mystery of this. It's incredible that there really is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We really are loved by God in spite of our goofy selves. We are loved by God. I want to invite you this morning just to, just to ponder that just for a moment. Dwell on that for a second. What does that mean? He really loves us. We truly are not condemned. Whatever you've done is gone, past, forgiven. God sees us not through the lens of your sin, but through the lens of his love. When God looks at you, he doesn't have this list that pops down, all these things you've done. That's not what God sees. God sees the blood of Jesus Christ who gave his life for you. You've been forgiven. You're no longer condemned. You are loved. And by the way, Jesus paid an enormous price for us to have this standing before God. A price that you and I did not have to pay. Wow, incredible. We are not condemned. I've asked the Lord, I've been asking the Lord, Lord, help me to really, really live in this reality that, that I am not condemned. As much as I try sometimes, I have a hard time living my life without my list of sins popping up in my own mind over and over and over again. Are you like that? It's like I'm determined to make God see my junk. Here, this is what I've done. No, no, no. I, I hear you love you, but look, have you seen this? Have you seen this? Look at this. Look at this. I got some more back here. Look, got receipts. God says, I love you. You're no longer condemned. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. That should give us peace. That should help us with our separation anxiety, right? There's nothing that's going to separate us from God's love. Absolutely not. You cannot keep God from loving you. Impossible. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness? No. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think we could summarize Paul's words this way. There's so much I don't get, but this is what I'm sure of. God loves me. I think he might even take it one step further. I don't understand anything <laughs> except that God loves me. I find myself often in this situation where I don't have a clue of why I said that. I don't have a clue of, of what that person is saying to me. I don't have a clue of how my relationships are going. I don't know if I feel good or bad. I don't know if I'm sad. I don't know if I'm depressed. I don't know, you know, what's going to happen the next day. I don't know why when I ate this particular food, it didn't settle well. There's all these things. Wondering, do I have COVID now because I felt bad? You get a headache and sinus and you wonder. There's all these things. Then you go to a memorial service 
a funeral of a friend and you sit there and go, why? You're trying to understand, why did this person die? Why now? Why? All these things. But what is always true is that God loves me. Can we rest in that? Can we just rest in that? We are his children. We've been adopted into his family. We are his. This is not going to change. If you are a child of God, you will continue to be a child of God. This adoption is for sure. It's real. It's permanent because it's in his hands, not yours. I am in the hands of God as his child, and nothing nothing can take me out of the hands of God. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. As children of God, Paul says this, that the Holy Spirit is working in us, that Jesus' death satisfies the requirements of the law. We are legally justified because the sin was paid for. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Jesus intercedes for us. We are no longer slaves to the sinful nature, but we walk by the Spirit now. Presently, we do what? We groan. <laughs> Paul says we groan. Anticipate the day we're going to see him face to face. Do you groan? <clears throat> Have you groaned recently? Oh, man, I'm tired. Oh, gosh, that hurts. We lost someone else. We groan. We groan, hoping for that day, anticipating the day we're going to be in his presence. We suffer in temptation because we live in the consequences of living in this world. We sin, but we are not slaves to sin, right? We are children of God. We live by the Spirit. We wait patiently for adoption as children as God. We choose to do good works. We choose not to doubt His love. We choose not to live in the spirit of fear. We choose not to doubt our adoption. We choose not to doubt our future success in Him. That's what we do now, even though we're groaning, anticipating that day. We're motivated the fact that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're motivated and we're hopeful with the fact that we are adopted and being adopted. We are being saved. We're motivated by the knowledge that we can live by the Spirit. The knowledge that we do not have to live by the human nature. We are no longer slaves to that nature, but children of God. And of course, the fact that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that's why I think Paul wrote this, Romans 1.16. As he began, he wrote this in Romans 1.16. For I am not, what? Ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation, right? To everyone who what? Everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in this righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Why was Paul so confident, so firm in sharing the gospel to the world? That's what he did for over 25 years of his life, committed to, to taking the gospel everywhere, and he's not ashamed of it, not ashamed of being in prison for the sake of the gospel because God's love is sure and true, and you could bank on it. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The beauty of the gospel is that regardless of, of anything we've done and who we are and what we look like, that we are welcomed into the love of Christ. This is the power of the gospel. To everyone who believes. And we can be convinced of that. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Paul takes a little break here in explaining this in Romans 8. Just to sort of detail again explanation of the suffering that we live in. 
And I think it's worth us taking some time this morning just to look at that passage very specifically, Romans 8, 18 through 21. I believe I do have it on the board here. It's, it's coming. Romans 8, 18 through 21. Oh, there it is. Great. I'm glad we took the time to do that because I really want you to see this. This is a great passage here. All right, Romans 8. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation, it's all of us, waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. There's several points here that we really need to hit when we talk about God's love because this is very often where we, we hit a wall in considering God's love for us, uh, especially when we go through suffering. We're pretty sure that the suffering is not fair, <laughs> pretty sure that we don't deserve the situation that we're in. And because we have a sense of justice, then we also then decide that God doesn't love us because if we say this is unfair, well, God, if God loves us, he does things that are fair, right? That's how our logic goes. That's how my logic goes anyway. So how does this work? If I'm going through all this persecution, suffering, whatever, it doesn't it mean dot, 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 God does not love me? Isn't that my conclusion? There's other things too we conclude, right? God is not fair etc 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 all these different things God is not powerful God is not fair God does not love me because I'm going through a difficult time this is what Paul said based on his assurance of God's love I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing so Paul is actually true and and sure that God loves him because he's living in the reality not of this world only but the reality of what is also coming he's in the, living in the reality of eternity right says that the, the tough times I'm going through now are not anything compared to the incredible greatness of, of eternity that's coming. So you think your life is bad now? It's just going to feel like nothing when you get to that place. I used to, I used to bike all the time, and uh, I used to do this race. There's a race, by the way, Ned Bank race today. Uh, yeah. In, in October, uh, there's a uh, pick-and-pay cycle classic or whatever that happens here. And uh, the first time I ever did that was years ago. And I can remember suffering up uh, Okapsavev and, and, uh, and coming back. Uh, sorry, not, not Okapsavev. That's in Cape Town. But match, <laughs> Matchless Mine, I believe, is that, that climb past Don Fliun and suffering and coming back. And I'm really getting back on the bypass for that last 20 kilometers uh, totally forgetting all the suffering climbing the mountain past Don Filiun. You just realize, wow, this is amazing. You know, that, that suffering of climbing the mountain just felt like nothing as you fly on the bypass to, to go across the finish line. That's a goofy illustration. But it is, it's, it's very much like what's happening. This is nothing compared to that, the, the refreshment of crossing the finish line. Uh, getting your Coke after this incredible, you know, you know getting your medal, what are all those things, uh, coming into the presence of God, in the light of God, 
fully experiencing this extraordinary love of God. That, that's what's ahead of us. And Paul said, in light of that, that truly is coming, that's going to be with us for eternity, this present suffering is nothing. He says, look, the whole creation, all of us are waiting. I love the honesty of Paul. He says, look, it's not like we're not suffering. The reality is, is that all of us don't like this. Paul didn't like it. If you don't like it, I agree with you. I don't like it either, the suffering that we're in. The, the stress of life. It's not that it's not bad, but and we're longing for this moment of, of the fulfillment of God's purposes, which is that many people will actually become free in Christ. Look what he says here. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to what? To be revealed. The, the, the delay in us being in the presence of God is so that more people will actually give their lives to him, will know him and become children of God. This suffering is intentional so that it'll, it'll cause people to run to him, to, to run to the freedom that only he can give. He says, for the creation was subjected to frustration, verse 20, not of its own choice. None of us have chosen the kind of difficult times that we've been through, right? Not a single one of us would have chosen COVID. We would not have chosen death, cancer, all these things that we've struggled with. We've, we would have never chosen for our dear friends and family to pass away, ever, not in a million years. If it was up to us, they'd live forever, right, and feel good. There's so much we wouldn't choose. We don't choose to be broken into. We don't choose poverty. We don't choose economic hard times. We don't choose diseases. Gosh, we live in a crazy world, don't we? If you list all those things. Creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope. The goal here is that ultimately creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay. There'll be a new earth, new body. All of this is coming is this freedom of newness that we have only in Christ. We, underst we understand this kind of stress and persecution that takes place on different levels. What we train, if we're athletes, uh, I am not, but if we're athletes, we work hard, right? We work hard and suffer now so that we can, we can win the race. We understand this. We understand what healthy suffering and persecution can be. Listen, <laughs> creation is waiting for more people to be freed that, uh, in the freedom that only Christ can give. Creation, all of us. I can just imagine trees, animals, everything is waiting for more people to be freed by Jesus Christ. And because of God's love, he delays his return. Because of God's love, God's incredible love, that time is delayed so that more people can experience this freedom that comes only in Christ. And if you're having trouble understanding that this morning, so did Paul. Remember Romans 11, he says, this is a mystery. <laughs> this is a mystery. But what is not a mystery in all of the suffering is that God loves us. He says, neither death nor life. God's love is not stopped by your death. I did a, I did a funeral service Friday morning. The one we did the funeral service for is right now in the presence of God. And he's still what? Being loved by God, right? The love hasn't stopped. Matter of fact, he's experienced God's love on a whole new level now. He thought he understood God's love when he was here. Oh, he understands it really well now because that love has continued past that. Death cannot kill love. 
Life cannot kill love. We have no control over God's love for us. It's incredible. We can't stop it. We can't start it. Neither death nor life. Paul, who's being persecuted, is suffering for the name of Jesus Christ, is saying even though we look like vagabonds, we look like you know, poor and, and hurting people, listen, we're, we, we're still loved by God even though we look like we're just, we look terrible. We look poor. We're in prison. Paul, at one point in the letter to Timothy, he says, don't be ashamed of me that I'm in prison. I'm in prison for the sake of the gospel. I know God still loves me even though I'm a prisoner. We don't understand this kind of love. Our world today is we look at someone on the street and we may feel sorry for someone who's poor, who's struggling, but sometimes we judge them, right? So, you know, if you just worked a little harder. Someone rings at our gate and asks for help. We judge them. Why don't you just get a job? We question their motives. We should never, never question the fact that every person, regardless of how they look and where they are, their history, their background, is loved by God. Paul goes on to say that neither angels nor demons, there's no spiritual realm and reality that can keep us and separate us from God's love. Impossible. There's no demonic force. There's no evil that can take us and separate us from God's love. Impossible. And nor any nor the present, nor the future. Sometimes we decide, well, you don't know what I've done, so I've done all these horrible things. God, there's no way you could love me. No, 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 God loves you in spite of all that. He loves you even though you're going to sin again in the future. One thing I know about you and me is that someday in the future, you're going to blow it again. I'm going to blow it again, but God still loves me. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, neither the present nor the future. Because God's love is in God's hands, not mine. Nothing can separate us, nor any powers. There's nothing more powerful than God's love. The most powerful force temperature is on the sun. The sun burns at 5,505 degrees Celsius. Did y'all know that? Can you even relate to that temperature? I can't. Do you know that the, the, the core of the earth our core, the center of our planet, burns at 4,982.22 degrees centigrade. I don't know how they got the 0.22. Uh, I don't know of a thermometer that can actually get that deep and actually survive. 0.22 degrees centigrade. And this scientist is sure of it. Bottom line is, it's hot down there. The sun is hot. There's, and there's, uh, up to this point, so far, no man has been able to create a bomb or anything that's big enough, powerful enough to destroy the entire planet of the earth. Did y'all know that? There's no bomb big enough to destroy the whole earth. It does not exist. Man is unable to destroy the planet completely. So we just chisel at it a little bit at a time, right? That's what we do. There's no power. There's no power big enough to remove God's love from us. That does not exist. There's neither height nor depth. There's, there's no place so high where God is not. There's no place so deep that God is not. People who've been to high places, they talk about, I'm not talking about marijuana here, but 
<laughs> physically high places, yes. Yeah. You might argue that that's also a physical high place. But on the top of Mount Everest, people who hike there talk about the presence of God. Those who've flown to the moon. Uh, one of the most notable ones was a colonel who walked on the moon. And he said he felt closer to God there than ever in his life. Matter of fact, it was the presence of God on the moon that when he returned from the moon, he devoted his life to the gospel and gospel presentation to evangelism. This was Colonel James Benson Irvin who actually took steps on the moon in 1971 on Apollo 15 mission. He said never did he feel as close to God as he felt on the moon. There is no height nor depth that can separate us from the love of God. Try to find that high place. Try to find that deep place. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. My hope for you is that you'll be like this colonel and others who at some point in your life, no matter what you're going through, you can say, oh, God's love is sure. God's love is sure. I believe that in the next weeks or so, possibly months for you, that you're going to experience a crisis. It may not be in your health, but it may be some crisis, maybe in your family, your home, maybe a crisis at school, your work, whatever, but you're going to experience some crisis. Even if it's a flat tire on the side of the road, you're going to experience some crisis. In that moment, what will keep you solid and firm is resting in God's love. Could I be so bold as to say that when that flat tire does happen to you, could you say, well, I have a flat tire, but I know God loves me. And just rest in that. Don't be anxious. Just be at peace. When your engine blows, when you get COVID, <laughs> I say when, can you just rest? God loves me. And nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. There is therefore now no condemnation in for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. Sure. May we rest in that today. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you. Thank you, God, that you love us. Nothing can separate us from that love. Oh, Lord, I pray for us as a body, your body, that we will embrace that reality, that truth, that we can rest in that. Lord, all of us would agree, we don't understand your ways. We don't understand this world. We don't even know how to pray. But Lord, you say that we can be sure that you love us. So God, we thank you, God, for the sacrifice of your son. Oh, Lord, thank you. And Lord, we say thank you for the gift. We love you, Lord. And we rest in your love today. In your name I pray, amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.